Before we get started on Office Talk with Raleigh Magazine, we'd like to tell you about the Miracle Moments Luncheon to benefit Easter Seals UCP Port Health. Earfluence, which produces this podcast, is a proud sponsor, and we'd like you to join us May 1st, 2024 at 1130 Eastern Time at the Hilton Garden Inn in Cary. This event helps raise funds and awareness for the life-changing direct services provided to more than 40,000 children, adults, and families living with disabilities, mental health, and substance challenges so they can live their best lives. We'll put more information on Easter Seals and the luncheon in the show notes, but again, that's Wednesday, May 1st at 1130 at the Hilton Garden Inn in Cary, and we hope to see you there. Attention bourbon lovers, are you ready for a taste sensation like no other? Old Raleigh Distillery, recently awarded Best Micro Distillery in the U.S., invites you to experience the art of whiskey blending firsthand. Located just east of Raleigh in downtown Zebulon, the distillery specializes in premium, micro-batched bourbon, and limited-release whiskeys. Visit the tasting room Tuesday through Sunday to savor a wide variety of whiskeys, specialty cocktails, wine, and beer. And don't miss a chance to peek behind the curtain with a tour of the blending operation every Saturday and Sunday at 1 and 2 p.m. For more information and to plan your visit, visit oldraleydistillery.com. Follow on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Old Raleigh Distillery for exclusive updates and behind-the-scenes content. Old Raleigh Distillery, where every sip tells a story. We want feedback. We want you to comment. We want it. And we can't just want the good stuff. We've got to take it all. But when it starts to feel personal and you feel like you're being targeted or you don't feel safe any longer, that's when it becomes a problem. I think it's worse than the Kratom threats, honestly, because if you go read some of the comments on some of our social media, like, you, why? You're listening to Office Talk with Raleigh Magazine. I'm your host, Gina Stevens. You may know Raleigh Magazine, but what you may not know is how we get our stories. It's all inside baseball. You'd be surprised what people will tell us. Our MO is telling stories no one else is telling. So this podcast is where you get the inside access to stories you won't read anywhere else. So let's dive into some of Raleigh Magazine's biggest stories. I get it. We're media. People think they can say anything to and about us. I'm a staunch defender of the First Amendment. I wouldn't set the American flag on fire, not ever, but I understand protected First Amendment speech and behavior. But be clear, that doesn't mean it feels good when our readers, followers, and listeners turn the gun on us. And it happens a lot. And the bigger we get, we know it's going to happen. But with me today is Raleigh Magazine Editor-in-Chief Melissa Housem to talk about reader feedback. Oh, boy. I have to say, if we weren't doing this on a Monday morning, then we'd be drinking right now. <laughs> yeah. This is one we should tape at 3 a.m. 3 p.m. Uh, 3 p.m. <laughs> works, too. We should be taping this at 3 p.m. with um, a bottle of vodka and gin, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but something happened recently that really sparked us wanting to talk about this, something yeah. personal to you. So this has been building up for a while. Like she said, I mean, it's not a— it's not a one-time thing. We get a lot of feedback, positive and negative, um, but then, but some of the negatives are pretty extreme. And so this is one such case. In the March issue, obviously, it was Women's History Month um, and International Women's Day. We leaned into that with a feature um, honoring women in our city who are shaping the future. And through that, realized that the roles leading our city are held by women. Six of the most significant roles in the city are held by women, mayor, police chief, et cetera. 
Um, and then, incidentally, uh, decided to do this feature upon the discovery or the lead that, for the first time in history, the three morning meteorologists on television are women, which is a huge feat um, for women. And so, in my ed letter in the issue, it's the March issue, um, I used the now famous line, a for my head, future is female. And then the hook was, who run the world, girls, come on, it's Beyonce. And I spend the first two or so paragraphs leaning into the content I just mentioned. So, Which we do every month. Right. Let's be clear. If the oh, issue right. is about dating, if the issue is about events, if the issue is about housing. Yeah. We put it one month, you do it, one month I yeah. do it. We put a personal spin on how we got to this story and th these stories and what what's significant yeah. for us. I love that you said that because, and actually, for some reason, what we've been doing recently is like you write two and then I write two. So I actually have the one in the April issue too. The feature is on dating. And so my headline is Love Me Tinder, spelled T-I-N-D-E-R. Right. <laughs> Get it. Anyway, so I have fun with headlines, obviously. So this is not a new thing. It's every issue we lean into this. But this one um, in the March issue, uh, The Future is Female, Seemed to particularly bug a 76-year-old white man. I, he called himself that. I'm not calling him that. Last Saturday, I got the mail at my house. And I think that's the biggest part about all this is that, like, this is, you know, invaded my home and my personal space. So I got the mail and what came in the mail, which is never, right? It's usually bills and trash, was what looked like a greeting card. And so I think that feels even more you know, invasive or disingenuous because I'm like, oh, who wrote me a nice card, right. you know? And I open it. It is a greeting card that you can write inside of with a nice-ish note about, you know, I hope you take this in the spirit it's intended. And, you know, really, though, once I realize what's going on, instead, I think what that did was put me in the position to for them to play the victim, like, oh, if you get mad about this, then I didn't mean it that way. And so inside the card was this letter typed up, which felt very, like, memento horror movie-esque to me. Yeah. And the headline was, The Future is Male. And then they had rewritten every reference in the first two or three paragraphs of my letter to replace it with men. So, um, who run the world? Men. Um, and for the first time in our city's history, the top six significant roles are led by men. I can't even say this without being disgusted. Like, duh, they always were, you know? But the one that really got me uh, before we go off the rails here was when you get to the second or third paragraph, and it says, for the first time in our city's history, the the three morning meteorologists are men. And I just, I mean, I my face was the color. She has on a red jean jacket, which is really hot, by the way. But I think that was the color of my face. Like, just, I, I, I still can't quite find the words for how belittling you, that was. You know what? The whole thing— is disturbing. But the fact that someone went to the trouble to do it, find your personal address, put it in a greeting card envelope, and mail it to your home. You can mail anything you want to the office. You right. Know, that's, that, you know, it's that personal private, that separation of church mm -hmm. and state kind of thing, where it's like, it feels, it, it does, it feels violating. And the other piece is, get the hell over it. It's like, really, it's Women's History Month. It is International Women's Day. And we weren't doing anything that isn't factual. Right. We do this. We, we Well, that's the thing. That's what really bothers me is that, like, if they're calling it shattering a glass ceiling for a reason. Right. I mean, they're, they're triumphant moments for a reason. There's a reason that Beyonce say, says who run the world girls. We don't. You know, no. it's like pushing the envelope right. forward. It's and for, for you to be able to write with a clear conscience, like, 
you know, the top six roles in our city are led by men and think that you're calling me sexist and biased because I said that women led them, it's a historic moment, you know, like— we take a we take a lot of criticism. We know a lot of times when we make statements or we go out on a limb with things and we have an opinion, which we we rarely have strong opinions. I, that's not really our job. It's usually to present the facts of what we know. Um, we lean sometimes on certain topics, and we always will. I mean, I think you have to when your values are at stake. And we are a female-owned company. We are a female-run company. It doesn't mean we wouldn't hire a male. Haven't had any apply, but and we do have male freelance writers oh, and photographers. Have, absolutely, and, yeah, we're surrounded but I mean, by in terms cast. of our right. on right, on, sure. on location staff, it felt like he really missed it. He yeah. totally missed it completely. So something you just said that really struck me is like we don't voice a lot of opinions, and, and that's true. And I think that's where the linchpin is here for me is that. I didn't think that's what I was doing in my letter. And so when I got, you know, I'm just a proud female who am also sitting in a seat that has historically been sat in by men, you know. And incidentally, all three magazine editors in this city are women. So we can just keep going with this if we like. But I think it's incredible to live in a city where women are given these opportunities. and we, But we fought for them. And so I did, like I said, th- these are facts that women have these roles. That I mean, even though I was leaning into like pop culture references there or historic news references, all the things I said in the letter are still true that, that women have these roles. And there was nothing inherently sexist about it. Rewriting it was, though. And I think the sad part about this, and I don't know if you expected me to admit this, you know, on air, quote unquote, but. Um, I was alone when I got that letter, and the first thing I thought was I didn't know if I would tell anybody because it made me feel, which now I'm ashamed of, but it made me feel like I did something wrong with my editor's letter, which I know, Gina, you should see the look on her face right now. And my uh, three of my best friends who I told, all of them, you know, I, I knew they would support me, but I didn't know if they would ask, like, should you have written something a little what XYZ, I don't know that they, they are so they know that I felt that way too. And they were we very do, defensive. We didn't do anything wrong here. And right. we grapple with this a lot because we have a couple of people who are targeting our Instagram. And so if we part, if we post something about a new development opening, or we went to this restaurant and we had this and enjoyed this, there are a couple of people who, no matter what we do, it's, well, that's not, you know, they call us Marxists. They call us, I mean, they can say some of the most hurtful things mm-hmm. that are so untrue and negative about what we are. And so, you know, there's there's a, a group in the office who go, well, I think we ought to just block them and take it down. I think people have a right to have their opinion, right? Oh, we put our information yeah. out there and that whole freedom of speech thing. But when it starts to feel personal and you feel like you're being targeted or you don't feel safe any longer, that's when it becomes yeah, a problem. invading my personal space and then taking something as— I understand that the publisher's letter and the editor's letter are public because they're going in a, right. in a pub- publication. But there's still your personal letter, you know. So of all the things in the magazine for you to take and and then send to my home, you know. But I will say when I talked to my girlfriends that night at dinner and they asked me if I told you yet, because let's add to this, um, throw salt in the wound, it was a Saturday. Right. And so typically you would have known immediately, but I didn't, you were, you know, 
out and about. I didn't want to bother you. And so luckily, Gina texted me on Sunday about something else. And so I was like, well, while I have you, I got this letter at my home. She was like, I'm calling you right now. But my friend— And the good news (laughs) is I know where he lives, too. So (laughs) My friend said at dinner that night, I didn't bring it up till we were, like, kind of done. And they were like, why didn't you lead with this? And, like, they were were saying you were going to probably castrate somebody. But Yes, that's (laughs) one thought. And and we're not—this is not— woe unto us or woe is me or any of that for us. We're sharing this because it, it is it is hard. And I think I had I have pretty tough skin. I worked in television for almost 15 years and and you take a lot of criticism and you keep moving and it's it's a hard a hard business. But I think it's the hiding behind a computer mm-hmm. and sending and saying things. I really loved the story that we did on climate shift that you did interviewing um, Quaylen Murphy from ABC 11, Elizabeth Gardner from WRAL, and Laura Smith from CBS 17. These three women, I grew up in this TV market. There have never been three women on the morning shows or any other shows leading at the same time. And so this was really a big deal. And we have a gentleman who had, who, who went to the article online and wanted to post something. Obviously, we moderate those posts to make sure that there's not something that's dangerous or um, threatening. inappropriate yeah. or, or threatening. And he he posted something that I'm not comfortable with at all. And we have and he's come back multiple times now wanting to know why it's not posted. But just to give you a glimpse of what we're talking about, this is a quote from his post or what he would like wanted to comment. These three professional scientists deserve recognition for their weather forecasting acumen. Uh, communication skills, as well as their significance of all three morning positions, which are staffed by women simultaneously for the first time. But their choices to dress to impress with attractive attire to accentuate their femininity with pelvic shifting pumps invite critical commentary from both women and men. Are they TV program actors, talk show hosts, or serious public servants? I can't. I can't imagine what where that even thought process came from. I don't ever want a professional email to use the word pelvic. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Like I mean, I just think that that's like and and it's not, not a good to, excuse for that. And and we could we could run down the list and there's some other really um but we we do get some positive feedback. I think the thing here is that it's just this idea that think about what you're saying who you are and who right. you're saying. You're saying it to a real human, about humans. Well, he missed the point, too. So he's saying, like, they're dressed a certain way in the photo shoot, which, by the way, is beautiful and professional and perfectly, you know. Right. It's, it's they're ridiculous. Wear, they're holding umbrellas but, and having fun with the idea that they're weather forecasters on a cloudy day. Right. That's and it. in the story, if you read it, which clearly he didn't understand— they talk about how, despite the fact they've gone from being these sort of sex symbol weather girls in the 50s to being serious scientists and having meteorology degrees and, you know, the advancement of STEM and all that, they are still held to a different standard of how they dress on TV than their men, male counterparts. And so this email is even more ironic They and talk about wanting to wear tennis shoes. Quaylen Murphy said it best. I love this. She said she got an email going, Quaylen, Quaylen's wearing pants. And she responded by saying, yep. She is, and so is John Clark. Yep. And I actually ended the story that way, which is why this is so befuddling to me. I literally ended the story with when they're getting emails about their work they're doing instead of the clothes and shoes they're wearing, then we know we've actually made it to the next level. Like right now, the fact that they're on TV is amazing. And the fact that, 
you know, we just had the the awards ceremony for the women leaders um, from the March issue. And one of the things somebody came up and said to me was it struck him as he grew up here and he it shocked him that this was the first time that all three morning meteorologists were female because he grew up with Elizabeth Gardner. And like we said in the story, if you can see it, you can be it. And so it never occurred to him that that wasn't a totally normal standard thing for right. a woman to be a meteorologist. She was the first woman right. meteorologist at WRAL yeah. ever. Right. And so, but I agreed with him too. Once he said that, I thought about it. I was like, I think the first time you brought it to me that this was a marked moment for all three to be female that it just sort of like was this eureka moment where I was like, wow, it's not obviously standard, you know, but we were lucky enough to grow up in a market that had one since 1994 or five. Yeah. yeah. So I just think, though, even though that's happening, the fact that we're still talking about what they're wearing, despite how long Elizabeth's been on the air here, you know, and Quaylen and, and Laura running into that a lot. And then this email just clearly missed the point on that, you know. I just think he clearly, he's missed a lot of, I'm, I'm really hoping that he's on medication and that, <laughs> and that that's what prompted him to send that. Oh, like um, Roseanne Barr. Like, yeah. <laughs> I want to retract they're, they're, my tweet. Right. I'm going to retract my tweet because I was medicated. Yeah. Maybe he would like to retract that. Maybe he'll listen to the podcast. I doubt it. Oh, um, man. A local icon since 1949 and where Raleigh comes to celebrate, savor, and enjoy. Village District is celebrating 75 years of tradition and taste. You can join the celebration for their 75th anniversary on Saturday, April 20th from 3 to 8 p.m. on Woodburn Road. Enjoy live music, pop-ups, a kid-friendly area, and the launch of their Village 75 beer, exclusively brewed by Standard Beer and Food. For more event details and other Village District happenings, you can follow Village District on Instagram at Shop Village District, visit their website at shopvillagedistrict.com, or sign up to receive texts by texting the word Village to 919-701-0202. Time to add the mix into the mix of your go-to hot spots with signature craft cocktails and neat pours, 12 rotating craft beers and eight rotating fine wines, plus cider and bubbles. The mix has the perfect pour for everyone. Take flight with beer, wine, whiskey, mezcal, and tequila. Or not in the spirit, craft cannabis gummies and high seltzers also invite. Sprawl out on the patio, post up on the couch with your laptop on a weekday, catch the big game on multiple TVs, or cozy up in the wine library for an upscale paired tasting. Weekly events keep the good times coming from tastings to live music and more. For the full lineup of events and offerings, visit BottleMix.com. Yes, with two X's. So that's BottleMixX.com. But on the flip side, and we can tell we can tell numerous more where people have gone off the deep end and, and how it does affect us personally. I have to say, I have to share this because... When you launch a business, I don't care what kind of business it is, you have a vision for what you want it to be. And especially with a magazine, you have a vision of what you hope over time people will come to think about the content choices you make mm -hmm. and how it it is merged together to create an issue. And when we did our March issue, which had the, you know, the title of what it costs to live here, mm -hmm. and it had the tiny house um, that's approved by the city on the cover, 
we received a, a post email. I don't I don't know what what capacity this came to us, but um, he said, "I like how Raleigh Magazine not only covers entertainment but delves into the issues like." missing middle and the developments that can help alleviate this problem. In other words, you're not just interested in the fluff type stories. Keep up the good work. And I'm going to tell you, if I never ever, for every bad comment, all I needed, that right there offset to all of it, because that's, that's about our content. That's about what we do, not, you know. Yeah, no, I love that this, so this actually, um, I I remember like sending it to you when I got it and like, you should see she looks like a proud mom right now. (laughs) Um, And so I've been with the magazine now for about two and a half years. The magazine's about seven and a half years old though. So Mm -hmm. obviously when you get onboarded into a situation, you spend a lot of time learning about the culture. So one of the things, and we've had other employees onboarded since then. So one of the things I've heard Gina say, like for if I had a nickel, I'd be rich (laughs) every time I hear her say it is just that, you know, it's important for us to be doing all of these kinds of stories. So we want to be entertaining. We want people to be engaged with the content, but we also don't want to just be that. You know, we want to also tell, like, the serious stories and be relevant inside the news cycle in Raleigh and what's going on and what affects the way people live. And so I think when I got this comment, it was just encapsulated exactly what your vision for what we are is. And it's a hard line to walk between, like, you know, in a good way yeah, between being sure. super newsy, but also like very fun and hip and relevant all at this and edgy all at the same time. And I think that we've kind of found our footing and I love that somebody else feels that way yeah, out of the blue. For that know? moment in time. And and it's not something, it's not like, you know, a, a benchmark you can check off and say we made it because it's a daily struggle with us to find the balance between oh, the fun right. stuff and the entertainment. And I've always described it as a good city magazine Really, it, it covers what you're ta- what people are talking about, but what should they be talking about? Right. And you know, I think you do an incredible job of trying to navigate that, like the dating story. And when we did housing, you know, New York Times and other places are doing it. We didn't. We don't go the fluff route and put a two million dollar house on the cover and it's six pages of beautiful rooms. Mm-hmm. For us, the housing situation in Raleigh is a real problem, and it's a, it's something that the city is working hard to figure out how we're going to navigate. Yeah, and I think this is a credit to the way you've always wanted the content to be, like, digestible and snackable. So, you know, the NNO can talk about housing and TBJ can talk about housing 100%, and they're going to. But, you know, we have an opportunity. Some of the readers are crossover, but a lot of them are very different. And and so we have an opportunity to be a part of that conversation, but in a way that makes people— hopefully want to read it. It's more digestible. So that housing feature wasn't some 4,000-word read-through. No. It was separated out into different pieces. And we have a lot of fun with that, I think. And we don't always get it right. Um, if you listen to the podcast regularly, you've probably heard me reference the fact that I personally took a bloodbath over one of the stories we did around and posts we did around Bhavana and Betamanda and that situation. We thought we had covered it adequately in the sense that we had given um, one of the victims, one of the pers- people who'd been treated badly and um, abused, a chance to to share her story and had really covered it um, well. And months later, when we went through telling the new ownership and new management story, didn't quite realize how raw those feelings still were and how many people were still hurting in our community. And it was about 24 hours of you guys are out of touch, you don't get it, you're awful, you are bad journalists, you are. Yes. I mean, it 
and and again, I have pretty tough skin. Um, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was hard to to move forward from that. And so we don't get it right all the time, and we know that. I mean, right. we there are times when we make mistakes or we don't read the room as well as we should have on that one, maybe. But we tried. Yeah, and it's it's really hard. I think that um, you know because I'm I'm planning on probably naming this one Raleigh Trolls, <laughs> and I think that people think they can say whatever they want from behind a tiny screen, yes. and maybe you forget that the people you're talking to on the other side are humans too, and they're, we're all just doing the best we can. Um, like with the kratom story, True. and I'm surprised the second drug feature didn't get any pushback in the same way, but the kratom story from I think over a year ago now this broke our broke our website yeah, internet. It broke our website, literally. And then um, also I got—I wouldn't go maybe as far as to say death threats, but close. Lots um, of and I got lots of threats and stalked and all kinds of things So uh, online. But um, anyway, it's just, and luckily none of those came to my home because I probably would have moved. You, you, she might have left. It might have been too early in the process. <laughs> well, no, no, I wouldn't have left the job. I just probably left my home. I wouldn't have felt safe. But it's ridiculous. I mean, I think just— Look, we welcome the feedback, and we want people yeah. to tell us how they feel. But I think sometimes there's just an extreme, you know, think think before you speak kind of thing. But it is not. So this is a we have one more. This is kind of a mixed bag. Okay, so if you read, then you know we have the dropped acorns, which is like our annual awards for like who did it worst. Um, and so they're written in a very snarky, sarcastic way. And I want to bring this point up up front. While some of them are about people in political roles, they're not about politics. So, like, if somebody said something stupid and they happen to be a politician and we're going to make fun of them, it doesn't matter whether they're a politician or whether they own a car dealership. We don't care. We're not referencing their politics. You say something stupid, you said something stupid. Right. You did something stupid, you did something stupid. So this goes to people, like, not really paying attention. They just see a picture of a political figure and they assume that we're making fun of that person's like politics and that's not at all what we were doing but in any case so we dropped the dropped acorns and we got um (laughs) we got some great reviews um most of the comments are like this is hilarious um one of them was like what a hoot it is to read the dropped acorns it's rare when reading material evokes more than a chuckle this article did it's laugh out loud funny thanks for the starts new year um, also, like as a side note, I had New Year's Eve dinner with my with my cousins who are in their late twenties, and they came in and just tackled me. They had written the read the print version. They were both in from out of town, but they grew up here, and they were like, "What do people say? Do they like? Do they get mad at you? Do they think this is hilarious? Like, are you guys like stars? Like, they were just really like yeah. starstruck by the content." Um, but we, I don't know if it was a mistake or not. I made the grand decision. Uh, when trying to figure out holiday content to post the dropped acorns on our on Instagram. Christmas Eve. Yeah, on Christmas <laughs> Before Eve. Before coming to my house for Christmas Eve. So I got lit up. Well, we all did, we but all I was managing up. the account that day. So I got lit up on Christmas Eve. It was really, really just, this was not very festive. <laughs> I was not It was very fortunate <laughs> for me that I was busy that day because I have a, a, a party on Christmas Eve. And so I did not even know where my phone was in the house. Thank much God. less had not looked at it. And I remember uh, Lisa Jeffries from Rollywood Media yep. sliding in and she goes, are you worried about Instagram? And I'm like, what? So she goes, she, I'm guessing you haven't been told. I'm like, nope. Yeah. So I got to Gina's house, and Lisa comes up to me, and she's and we were super late because we had like a plumbing issue. We, she, Lisa comes up to me. She's like, I've been waiting for you to get here. She's like, um, just are you okay? Like, are you you know? Because you she didn't know knew either. No, I yes, I did. Oh, you I, did? okay. Oh yeah, oh, I was I the one managing you. it that okay. day, and I was like, I was like, I well, could, tell 
Tell them what happened. Okay, so, oh, I, well, yeah, so I posted the content, and we led with, each dropped acorn had an image, and the one on the lieutenant governor calling people filthy was one of the things we made fun of in the dropped acorns. And because we didn't want to just use a picture of him, you and Liz had bought a political cartoon. Which and is awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> However, um, when I went to pick the imagery for the well, Lauren and I did for the social post, we didn't want to use like some of them were wrecked cars and things like that, like people, you know, driving into things, doing dumb things, right? Um, like the Peace Street Bridge. We didn't want anybody to think that we were delivering that news happening. on Christmas Eve. So the only photo that really made sense to run as the lead that wouldn't be misread, because we don't read. So I didn't want people to think that there was some devastating accident on Christmas Eve, right? So I led with the cartoon, and oh, God, I just took a bloodbath over. And I say I because it was my decision, like as opposed to the whole team's decision. Um, took a bloodbath over. We lost some followers, took a bloodbath over being political on Christmas Eve and how inappropriate it was and— we shouldn't be talking about politics, which we weren't. Again, like Lincoln bio, read the story. It wasn't. It was meant to be lighthearted, like Christmas reading. Yeah. But and, and what we probably decide is that's probably not the ideal story to post on Christmas Eve. It needs to be a warm and fuzzy of some sort. Maybe a cute puppy dog. We had it slated to or scheduled to run. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. We had it scheduled to run um, that morning, and so I wasn't like up and on Instagram on Christmas Eve, right? And so probably whenever I finally hopped on there and I saw the notifications, yeah, no, I was definitely panicked most of the day. So when I when I got to your house and Lisa was like, because also Gina has this thing where she doesn't want us to like hide, hide content or hide comments or you know you can yeah. only respond to them a certain way. Because I think that's you know it's like if we're gonna put ourselves out there and post something. We we want feedback. We want you to comment. We want it. And we can't just want the good stuff. We've got to take it all. And I I think that's disingenuous to delete when people don't like something we do, to hide that and make it it, it. social media is a stressor. I feel like the only things that I've really like battled with how to deal with public more other than this letter at my house, obviously, is even more, I think it's worse than the Kratom threats, honestly, because pe- if you go read some of the comments on some of our social media, like, you, what was the one I saw the other day? It's just, like, mean for no reason. There was a picture of a plate of food from a restaurant, and then somebody went on there and wrote, it looks like somebody just threw up on a plate. Now, this is obviously not the worst comment we've gotten, but it goes to the point of, like, why? What's the point? Like, why did you yeah. just stop, stop your day to write something mean about a picture somebody took of a plate of food somebody cooked? Like That's what? the world we live in. I mean, it's just Now, it's I will tell you, there have been some moments where we have the funniest one, and I can laugh about this now. Oh, I, I thought we'd get out of this without you telling the no, story. No, no way. And I had almost forgotten it. I knew you were going to do this to me. <laughs> You've been listening long enough. You know that Melissa is a diehard, biggest Wolfpack fan there is. And so there was a game. <laughs> I'm quitting the internet. <laughs> that, I'm, you want to tell it? Yeah, I'll I'll do it. I can try. I'll you can jump in if you want. But no, but I I, I think it was, it was the State genuine. Carolina football game, right? Look, I went to state. It's in our fight song. Okay, it's not officially in our fight song, but we sing in our fight song. Go, Go to, to hell, hell Carolina. Carolina, and all the games have a hashtag GHTC. And so state pulls off a last second win against Carolina. I literally took of a photo of the TV of Doran looking sad. And I, like, joked about Doran, too, if we're being fair. And then it was hashtag, like, Wolfpack in the House, W-I-T-H, and G-H-T-C. 
didn't even cross my mind that I was saying go to Hell Carolina because I I wasn't literally saying that. I was like, it's enculturated in me, you right. know? And and the truth is, we're Raleigh Magazine. NC State is— Raleigh. Raleigh. Chapel Hill Magazine has UNC. Right. Durham Magazine has Duke. Yeah. We're Raleigh. But we have a lot of followers and friends of the magazine and fans and writers and team that went to school at Carolina. Yes. There was an immediate (laughs) backlash on Instagram and to my personal messaging. What the hell? What are you doing? Why would you do this? And so, you know, and I can lightheartedly laugh about it now. You know what? We made a mistake. It was in the moment. She was excited. It shit happens. Yeah. And and but the funny part was my stupid idea was a week later to do a UNC post. Oh God. And then all that the state right. fans turned us and went, What? What? Now you're trying to make up for it? And it was like, okay, why don't we just leave this one alone? I think what I learned from that was, so I'm actually kind of glad that happened, was that everybody seemed fine with us being pro-state. Or not even pro state. Like I would go to the games and post like the opening, right? right? Without, they were, yeah, they were out fine with us doing that as long as we weren't being anti anyone else. Right. But then once we tried to be pro Carolina, <laughs> it, that didn't work either. So it was like, okay, let's just stick to what we do and do well, and not not tell people to go to hell. Apparently, I didn't mean to. I, <laughs> you know, it just goes to show. I mean, we take a lighthearted approach to most of it, but you know, it's it's pretty tough when you feel like your personal space has been violated. Mm-hmm. So. Um, PSA, be nice, be kind, yes. be nice. Yes. Give people the benefit of the doubt. If you don't have something nice to say, just don't say Don't it. say anything. Your mama taught you that. This has been Office Talk with Raleigh Magazine. I hope after hanging out with us, you feel more like a Raleigh insider. You can find copies of our magazine around town or subscribe for $10 for 10 issues. We'd love it if you gave this podcast a rating and review and share it with your friends. This podcast was edited and produced by EarFluence. I'm Gina Stevens. We'll see you again soon. Want more of Raleigh Magazine in between issues? Visit RaleighMag.com and subscribe to our newsletters. They come out Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Five-minute read keeps you up to date. And especially on Friday, dish on this, where to eat, where to drink, what to do this weekend. Subscribe for free at RaleighMag.com.